Welcome everybody to Quantum Kingdom Life, our weekly Bible study, both in person and online. We have a live audience tonight. Everybody say hello. Hello. We just got done uh, with uh, Bible packing for Heart of America Prison Ministries, helping change lives one Bible at a time. Volunteers packed 57 first quality study Bibles that are going into the individual prisons and into the individual prisoners' hands on our Bible waiting list. We received recently a $10,000 donation. We're purchasing 500 Bibles, so we just packed 57 today. I've sent uh, 100 Bibles to two separate chaplains for hand delivery into the prisons. We don't have to pay shipping on those, which saves about... mm, eight to ten dollars per bible between shipping packaging and costs for pizza for our volunteers that volunteer their time but the workman is worthy of the hire and they deserve to be paid in food so we thank god for that and so uh those bibles are going into some uh prisons and they'll be hand carried by the chaplain and handed off to the prisoners that have been hungry and thirsty for the word of god If you're listening on audio tonight, this may not be a visual illustration, but you can go to heartprisonministries.org. Here's like a sample of how we send Bibles in from our Bible bookstore. This is the quality of the Bible that we send in. So when we say study Bibles, we're talking about the trusty 66 books of the Bible between two fine, either Corinthian, bonded leather, leather like, sometimes they're genuine leather, whatever we are able to get a nice closeout price on. And we also get, you know, King James, NIV, uh, New King James, uh, ESVs, Holman Christian Standard, whatever is available. And the Bible that a prisoner can actually read because it's in their reading level. So this just gives you an idea of what we're sending in. These retail for $50 to $80. And we pretty much cap our wholesale cost at about $20. Some we have to pay a little more for, but then we get others for a little less. So it balances at about $20, and we've had relationships with different Bible manufacturers for about 25 years. So Heart of America started in 1994 when I gave my own Bible away at the direction of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, uh, give your Bible to that prisoner. And I said, I rebuke you, Satan. I have not in mind the things of God, but of men. You know, the Bible is clear. If you've got two, give one to the man who has none. And I only had one, so I knew that couldn't be God. And the Holy Spirit spoke a second time with clarification and a witness. He said, give and more will be provided. Give and more will be provided. So I uh, pulled out my Bible, which I had just gotten, interestingly enough. It was brand new. And it was uh, a Spyro Zodiac's Greek Hebrew study key Bible with all the bells and whistles. And I was at another facility on my third indictment on the same evidence. So... That's another story. So you can read it in Jet Ride to Hell, Journey to Freedom. God finally delivered me out of the snare of the fowler. A great revival broke out there. And then later on in life, 30 years later, I was able to see the prosecutor and actually hug him and release God's love to him. So that's another story, not in the book. But uh, so as I gave that Bible to this Hispanic gentleman, I don't even know if he spoke English, but I, the Lord had directed. Turned out he spoke perfect English. And the Lord gave me a word for him, which was, The Lord wants you to know you are forgiven. And he looked at me with disbelief. 
And then he realized this was the word of the Lord because he'd been praying as a backslidden Christian, follower of Jesus, that he'd gone out and done a drug deal for money. And he just thought he could never be forgiven for that. But God reached out to him through the B-I-B-L-E, the basic instructions before leaving earth. And he went into his prison cell at, uh, you know, right around dinner time, and he began to read that Bible. And I remember it was locked down about 10 o'clock that night, and I saw him in his room, and he was still reading his Bible. And at 3 o'clock in the morning, they swept him out and took him to another facility or something. I don't know what happened. I never saw him again. And that was the beginning of what would become Heart of America Prison Ministries. Give, and more will be provided. And suddenly, people started sending me money in prison. And, you know, you can get money put on your books. Back then, it would come in an envelope, and they would extricate the money, order, or cash, and then they would put it on what's called your books for commissary so you could buy it. But what was happening at this facility is the money was making it through the mailroom to me. So I would open up the envelope, and there would be like $50 in there, or a money order to me for like $40 or $50 or whatever it would be, and odd amounts. And so I would literally endorse the money over money order over to this uh, Bible manufacturer, and then I would send the letter out and seal it, and it would go out, and they would send me more Bibles. And so that's how Heart of America was birthed by a word from the Lord, me, of course, rejecting the word from the Lord, and then the Lord giving me more instruction of a second witness that let me know it was actually him testing the spirits. And uh, that was 10,000 Bibles ago. 10,000. So we've been doing uh, Bibles to prisoners, resource materials, books. We also sent in resource materials uh, like these. We did 15,000 copies of Jet Ride to Hell, Journey to Freedom a few years ago. And uh, there's an estimate that 20 prisoners reads each copy of a book. Unlike, you know, I give you a book and you might pass it on to one more person, like two, in a civilian world, if they even get read, I think 85% of books that are purchased aren't even read. They just sit on the shelf in the house. But in prison, they get read. They get read till the covers fall off. So about 20 prisoners read each book. So 15,000 copies of this autobiography times 20 per copy is about 300,000 prisoners, they guess or estimate, guesstimate has read this book. Recently, I got a call from a gentleman and he said, David, he said, uh, you're not gonna believe this, it's an answer to prayer. And I said, well, sure, tell me. He said, my son is in prison and he called me. I'm like, whoa. And he said, no, it's a good thing. He said because he was wayward, he was backslidden, and we were estranged for you know some time, and he got picked up on a warrant from four or five years ago, and he's he's in jail, and he said, Dad, he's I got one phone call, and I'm calling you, and he says, I read this book, it's about a guy who stole jets for the Colombian drug cartel, and you know he was raised in a kind of a Christian home, but then went the other way, and he said, is the name of the author David Harabedian, and he said. Have you read the book? He says, no, I know him. <laughs> I know him. And he says, so God used your book in a prisoner's life. That's just one story of something we know, and we hear all kinds of testimonies. God will use your testimony. After you pass the test, then you can give a testimony. If you try to give the testimony while you're still in the test and you haven't passed it yet, 
It's not a testimony. It just sounds like a moaning. <laughs> so we've got to pass the test that after we have done the will of God, we might receive the promise. So that's a little background. If you want to help support, do Bibles packing to prisoners or volunteer with Bible, uh, pen pal programs or donate, you can contact us at heartprisonministries.org. Heart, H-E-A-R-T, heartprisonministries.org. Here's like our new uh, uh, envelopes that we've got that uh, we use. And anyway, we just got these in today. I'm kind of excited about them. And so uh, it gives an example. And we also do Christmas cards to prisoners. Anyway, that's that. We're going to go ahead and move on into the message, which really ties in with what I just shared about the importance of hearing God's voice. The importance of hearing God's voice. Do you know it could be the difference between life or death? Being able to hear his voice. Life or death could be how significant it is. And we could go through example after example after example in scripture where people that obeyed the voice of the Lord lived. And those that disobeyed had problems and often even resulted in an early death. So let's just start with uh, John 10, 27. A guy by the name of Jesus, he said, my sheep hear my voice and another they will not follow. And my notes have just like disappeared, but they're back. Rapture, spit out. Back to the earth. You don't want to be lukewarm and get spit out of the mouth of Jesus, do you? Well, anyway, that's play on words there. So my sheep hear my voice. Here's what's interesting. The NIV New International Version says, John 10, 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. John chapter 10, verse 27, King James Version is, my sheep hear my voice and another they will not follow. I know them. Uh, kind of a little bit of a version there. But I just want to share with you that there was an instance in the Old Testament. It's a very interesting story. And it's in 1 Kings chapter 13. 1 Kings chapter 13. And we're just going to go ahead and read it. And I'm just going to stop in some places. And behold, a man of God went from Judah to Bethel by the word of the Lord. Why did he go to Bethel? He went by the word of the Lord. It means he heard the voice of the Lord. Jesus said in John 5, 19 and 20, I never do anything of my own. I only do that which I see the Father doing. The Son can do nothing of himself. I only do that which I see the Father doing. What the Father does in heaven, the Son does likewise. Jesus had a divine restraining order on him. Even though when he was on the cross, he could have called for 10,000 angels, he didn't. Because there was divine restraining order because it was God's will that he goes to the cross and die for mankind. If he'd have called for 10,000 angels and got himself delivered, he would have violated the divine restraining order and salvation would not have been released to humanity. Very interesting, isn't it? That God would put a divine restraining order on his own son, but the son in obedience had to yield to that divine restraining order or violate the command of God to save his own life instead of giving his life up willingly so that we might have eternal life. 
1 Kings 13, verses 1, reading on. Behold, a man of God went from Judah. Doesn't even name him. It's a prophet, but he's just called a man of God. The nicest thing somebody can call you is a man of God or a woman of God. Man of God. Woman of God. I call a friend of mine on the phone, and I say, how are you today? He goes, man of God, how are you? It's an honor to be called a man of God because a man of God or a woman of God is somebody who walks with God with character and nature. Can two walk together, Amos 3, 3, except they be in agreement. My yoke is easy, my burden is life. light, Jesus said in, in, in Matthew 10, 28 through 30. Come learn of me. So when you're yoked together with the Lord, you're in agreement with him. And a lot of times we blame the devil when we're not in agreement with the Lord. We're actually fighting the yoke of oneness, of unity, of only doing what the Father says, only doing what the Father shows, only saying what the Father says, or only saying what the Father reveals to others. So behold, 1 Kings 13, reading from the New King James Version, And behold, a man of God went from Judah to Bethel by the word of the Lord, and Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. Verse 2, 1 Kings 13, 2. Then he cried out against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord, behold, a child, Josiah by name, shall be born to the house of David, and on you he shall sacrifice the priests of the high places who burn incense on you, and men's bones shall be burned on you. Nice, placating word, maybe not. Strong word, isn't it? Sometimes you've got to prophesy what is not popular at the word of the Lord. Being a prophet doesn't make you popular. Being a politician might. If you want to be popular, sell ice cream. If you want to get stoned to death and rejected by men, be a prophet. And if you're a prophet and you're being rejected by people, often within your own group, just say, Lord, make them a prophet too. They'll learn what great things they must suffer and be persecuted for his namesake. When people would mock me for the prophetic anointing on my life, when I was in prison, I was young in the Lord. I was growing in the faith, and I made colossal mistakes. Okay, so on the journey, some of it I probably deserved, but God used it. And others I didn't deserve, but it was because of the anointing on my life. And finally, this one person was persecuting me so bad, I went and got on my knees. I'm like, Lord, what do you want me to do? Pray that I begin to visit him in dreams and visions like I visit you. And I said, oh. So I said, Lord, I pray that you would visit him in dreams and visions like you do me. Make him into a prophet. And within about two weeks, he comes to me. He's worn out. He's been having dreams and visions of the night. They've been coming to pass. He's got these deadly accurate prophecies. He didn't believe in the prophetic anointing. He didn't believe in the prophet's gifting for the current day. He didn't believe that we could hear his voice. And that another we would not follow. He didn't believe that God still spoke that way. Now one way, now another, though man may not perceive it in a dream and a vision of the night, as deep sleep falls on men, he might open their ears and seal their instructions to turn man from wrongdoing, to preserve his soul from going down to the pit, or perishing by the sword. God does this oftentimes with man. It says in Job chapter 33, verses 14, kind of reading down. So God speaks to everybody in dreams at one point in their life. And I talked with prisoners when I was incarcerated, and I said to him, let me ask you a question. I just did my random you know, uh, survey. I said, before you were arrested, did you have a dream about being arrested? 50% said yes, they did. God warned 
reprobate sinners that were out committing crimes in a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep fell on men as they slumbered in their beds. Then he opened their ears and sealed their instructions. Why? To turn men from wrongdoing, to preserve their soul from going down to the pit or perishing by the sword. Yet man did not obey the warning or the admonition or the dream. How do I know this? Because I was one of those men. I had a dream before I was arrested. And the dream was I was on a tarmac in Boca Raton, Florida with a Mercedes Benz, a stolen Cessna Citation II jet that came in brown and white with a dent in the wing and a bag of cash. And the scene changed, we were arrested. Feds kind of came out of planes, trains, and automobiles screwed, you know, nine millimeters into my ear, so to speak, and ruined my orange juice morning. I didn't pass go, I didn't collect $200, but I went directly to jail. And anyway, here I am in a dream and the scene changes and I'm in a courthouse and there's a female judge, a magistrate judge. I didn't know what a magistrate judge was at the time. She was in this black robes and she had a black anodized aluminum uh, Pag Hoyer watch on and she had a necklace on and then there was an agent that had orange hair like you know carrot top hair like not just I mean like red hair but it was orange you know kind of thing and and uh, he had mud on his boots and the charges were red in the dream and then they knew about another King Air 300 twin turboprop we had uh, uh, David Copperfield on the month before for the Columbia drug cartel and so I woke up from that dream and the phone was ringing and it was my mother on the phone and I was rude to my mother because I'd just been jarred awake by this dream and I'm getting ready to go finish this transaction and now I'm going to retire and move on into the watch business because I had five watch stores. I was worth a million on Dun & Bradstreet by age 24. I was all that in a bag of chips. I worshipped you know, the unholy trinity of me, myself and I and uh, God brought it all down in a day. And he used the long arm of the law to answer my mother's prayers that I would be saved. And that regardless of what happened, that God would preserve my life in his mercy. But that the hand of judgment would come in my behalf, that I wouldn't be arrested, but I'd be rescued. There was an intervention. Now, if you've got a drug addict, sometimes you have to do an intervention in their life with family. And sometimes if you've got a money addict or whatever a person is into a thrill addict or whatever it is sometimes you need an intervention by the long arm of the law so god bless you if you're in law enforcement appreciate you you guys helped me find jesus even though you didn't preach him you got me in a quiet time with a say law for 20 years and uh, in response to my mother's prayer jesus came in just do me a favor if you're in law enforcement tell the truth on the stand um, so don't celebrate perjury that happened in my case and so anyway that's another story okay behold a man of God went from Judah to Bethel by the word of the Lord and Jeroboam stood by he cried against the altar by the word of the Lord First Kings 13 and said O altar O altar says the Lord behold a child Josiah by name shall be born to the house of David and on you he shall sacrifice the priests of the high places who burn incense on you and men's bones shall be burned on you and he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Surely the altar shall split apart, and the ashes on it shall be poured out. So it came to pass when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, who cried out against the altar in Bethel. By the way, Bethel means house of bread. This is God's house that this is happening, but there's wickedness, there's witchcraft, there's idolatry, there's false prophets claiming they're prophets of the Lord. 
not unlike what's taking place in America today. So we want to prophesy the word of the Lord, not just the words, but also the heart. He has a heart of love. We don't want to prophesy. lie. We want to prophesy, right? Okay, so this is the sign that which the Lord is surely the altar shall be split and the ashes on it shall be poured out. So it came to pass when Jeroboam the king heard the saying of the man of God who cried out against the altar at Bethel, that he stretched out his hand from the altar, saying, arrest him. Then his hand, which he stretched forth, withered, so that he could not pull it back to himself. It was an immediate judgment from rejecting the prophetic voice of God. There will be power encounters that are coming where real prophets will be speaking the word of the Lord and people will come against them and you're going to see signs and wonders like you've never seen before and there's going to be instantaneous judgments. There's also going to be instantaneous mercy when people ask for it because that's God. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. Mercy triumphs over judgment, James 2.13 says. And here's what happened. As his hand, which he stretched out toward him, withered so that he could not pull it back to himself. Verse 5, verse 13, 5. The altar also was split apart and the ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. How did this man give it? He gave it by the word of the Lord. I never do anything of myself, Jesus says. I only do the things that I see the Father doing. This whole thing is about seeing and doing, hearing and doing not running out and asking God to bless your work, but rather sitting at his feet until he speaks and going out and doing the word of the Lord. Will God bless your mess? Yeah, he will, but you'll make a mess and he'll do a double miracle because he loves you just that much. But you'll go through some stuff in the process. Isn't it better just to hear from God and go forth and that thing is blessed? So here's what happened. Then the king answered and said to the man of God with his withered hand, Please entreat the favor of the Lord your God and pray for me that my hand may be restored to me. So the man of God entreated the Lord and the king's hand was restored to him and became as before. So these are power encounters that happen. And I've encountered things where the Lord has had me speak the word of the Lord to somebody and they rejected it and things occurred instantly. I remember I was uh, 1992, I had two dreams. There was a woman um, oh gosh, I hate to hesitate to say her name um, because I don't want to like uh, do that, but um, we'll just use her initials. And so I'm getting that nod from my wife. Don't even use the initials. Okay, I think that's the wisdom of the Lord nodding through my wife. Okay, so we'll call her Janie. We'll call her Janie. There's my wife waving. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So sometimes you have to hear the voice of the Lord. Sometimes you have to hear the voice of the Lord in your spouse. That's right. And so, yeah, so God will confirm it. So I had these two dreams. There was this uh, female uh, administrative person. She was in uh, the education department. And uh, I had filed and gotten new typewriters for the law department. And she was very upset that I had filed and gotten new typewriters so prisoners could defend themselves on their cases. And she wanted to use the money for balloons and something else. And so she completely had violated prisoners' rights. So she got caught, they had to do that, and they diverted her, her funds away from what she wanted to do to throw like a party or something like that with your taxpayer dollars instead of giving prisoners access to the law. Uh, you know. Anyway, so 
uh, I had these two dreams and in the dreams I saw myself doing this only that which you see the father do shall the son do likewise and so I was watering this tree minding my own business and she came pointing she was a short little we won't call her blonde or brunette we'll just say she had a certain color hair she had a certain color hair and she's coming over and uh, so she's yelling and screaming saboteur saboteur she's calling me a saboteur because I'm watering the tree it's my job right I'm in landscape I'm watering the tree she says I'm drowning the tree so I'm being falsely accused and so she says to me um, get away from that tree you're destroying that tree you're you're drowning the tree and I'm like oh my god this is a demonic enraging this is just like my dream so I had this boldness and I walked over to her and she was from in front of another staff member and in front of an inmate that was so demonized he glistened he was into an alternative lifestyle and with multiple men on the compound and he like glistened with evil is the only way I can describe it. Some people shine with the Holy Ghost when you're fully sold out to evil, you'll have a glistening about you. It's a demonic glistening. So he was at that level. And uh, so I looked at her and I called her by name first and last. I said, Jane Smith, when you speak, you speak lies. And when you speak lies, you speak your own native language because you are your father, the devil, who's the father of all lies. Now, this is not the best thing to say unless you're specifically sent by the Lord, but that's what I saw in the dream. And when I said that, she couldn't talk. Her mouth froze up. And she was like, couldn't open her mouth. It froze her mouth. Her mouth was shut. And she looked, and it was like silence for like five seconds. And five seconds in that moment is a long time, like an eternity. And all of a sudden, I looked at her and I said, Lord, let her speak. And she went, ah, ah. And she was scared by the power of God that had just come on her. And I didn't share this, but she'd actually hit on me and hired me and had tried to seduce me. And I told her I was not respectfully interested. So there was another little factor. I had a couple of like three different staff members over 20 years, uh, you know, approach me and the Holy Spirit said, run, Joseph, run, run, Joseph, run. So I was single and celibate for 25 years and my wife and I came together on our wedding night. So it pays to serve the Lord, but that's another little tidbit. So you know, hell has no fury like woman's court. But uh, that was the typewriter thing that really made her mad too. But uh, anyway, so here she is. She goes, well, you get your stuff. I'm giving you a direct order. You get your stuff now and you go get your car and you leave this area. I said, yes, ma'am, I will not disobey a direct order. So I hear her squawking around telling this other staff member and they're like shocked. And so I go get my coat and I'm walking off and she's looking at me and she's, and I said, Jane Smith, stop lying. And she went and her mouth was stuck again. She could. So this was a power encounter, not as extreme as an altar splitting, not as an extreme as a hand withering, but a mouth shutting. And here's what happened. She went to my boss and literally tried to get him to write me an incident report. I went to him and I said, I just had a problem. I told you I didn't want to work down there because James Smith, who's over education, this and that. And uh, he said to me, he said, oh, all of a sudden she comes marching up. Get out of my way. And I just looked at her. And I'm thinking, should I ask the Lord to shut her mouth again? You know, what? The Lord just said, leave it alone. So he goes in and she tells him and orders him to write me an incident report and to write certain things on. He says, I wasn't there. He says, you write it. 
She's got a witness of another staff member and a witness of another inmate. And before she showed up, the other inmate that glistened with evil comes up. He goes, man, he goes, that was the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. That woman could not speak. And so it was another witness from a guy who's completely demonized telling the truth. And the other staff member was like stunned by it. Anyway, long story short, here's what happens. He refuses to write her in it and write me an incident report. And he comes back in, he asks me, he says, what, what is this really about? And I told him, I said, well, she, you know, had, had made, you know, sexual advances on me, you know, last month. And that's why I quit my job. And, uh, and he said, you're in prison and a female staff member makes a sex. He goes, and you, I said, I'm a, I'm a believer now. And he goes, I'm a believer too. He goes, but, but I like her. And I said, well, I said, you're not a believer like, you know, I believe that, you know, we, we need to hold firm and this and that. And he goes, well, he goes, anyway, long story short, I got a promotion where I had compound immunity. They created a new job for me where I did watering and then God caused it to rain literally five days a week for half an hour during count time. And we had the most green grass that year they got department of the year, and I had compound immunity. I could go anywhere at any time because I was the afternoon watering guy. So I had the whole day off to read the word, the whole day off to go do sports activities if I want. I had early chow, meaning I left early. I got the into the dining hall. I never had to wait in line. Early, early commissary, and then they paid me what was called grade one because of my job plus a bonus. So instead of making 12 cents an hour, I was knocking down 40 cents an hour plus a 50% bonus. I was making like 60 bucks a month living large and in charge in federal prison. But, but that's the, the, the these are the, the rewards of obeying the voice of the Lord, but these are also the risks of obeying the word of the Lord. So the Lord told me, he said, I want you to pray for her. So I got on my knees to pray that God, had, you know, he says, I want you to hand her flesh over to Satan for punishment, that the flesh might be destroyed and the spirit might be saved on the day of judgment. 1 Corinthians 5, 5, and I'm like, whoa. So I went and got a friend of mine because I didn't want to pray any Pentecostal charismatic witchcraft. For I'm telling you about extreme prophetic, okay? This is not the normal day at the office, but these are dangerous prayers for the person you're praying them for. It's also dangerous for you because when you're persecuted or reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you for the spirit of God and glory resteth upon you. On their part, he's evil spoken of. On your part, he's glorified, but let none of you suffer as an evildoer, a thief, a murderer, or a busybody in other men's matters. But when you're reviled or persecuted or you suffer for the name of Christ, according to the will of God, judgment must begin at the house of beloved. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. First Peter 4, 10, 12, reading on about verse 17. You want to kind of see that in context. So there's a price to pay for carrying that prophetic anointing. You will, at times, be confrontational to confront sin. Here's how this story ends. So I prayed that God would hand her flesh over to Satan for punishment. Why? So that the flesh might be dealt with, but the spirit might be saved. God's prayer was redemptive in nature. And so she was then caught about the balloon thing and the misuse of funds and this and that. And she went from a very high position of authority, like what was referred to as a GS-13. If you're in the military, you understand that. 
she went to a GS8 position. So she lost like five positions of rank. And guess where they put her? As the chaplain's secretary. So now they're like, oh my God, the devil is in the chapel. Everybody was like, they couldn't believe it. Jane Smith, the devil is in the chapel. Because this woman had a Jezebel spirit. Even people from other faiths were like, oh my God, this is the worst person to have in the chapel, right? She revamped the whole chapel. She had all these administrative gifts. The next thing you know, she's got hot chocolate she's putting out for the inmates when they come to the chapel. It was like the most happening place on the whole chapel. And she, I mean, it was like crazy. And so she'd had like three car accidents. Got, I mean, she, she was getting broken by the Lord. And so I went with a friend of mine to the chapel and she was like real humble at this point. And uh, long story short, I walk in and she saw I've had all these things happen to me, this and that. And I'm like, whoa. And I said, well, can I pray for you? and anoint you with oil. She goes, I'll try anything at this point. So I pulled out some olive oil. Well, actually, it was, you know, reappropriated from the kitchen. I think it was like canola oil. It's the best thing we had. We didn't have 10W30 weight oil, you know, just oil is oil. But, you know, if you get the Exodus 32 recipe, do that. But um, it's what we had and God honored it. And so here I am anointing this woman who's calling me saboteur and had been hitting on me earlier now I'm anointing her and asking God to break off the curse. And the next thing you know, she gets a promotion to a position outside the Bureau of Prisons. And there's three positions there, and they're giving her a GS like 13 plus. So now she gets a promotion. She's making like an extra 8,000 a year. Um, her brother ends up getting like his uh, child custody rights back. God starts answering all her prayers. She's like filled with the joy of the Lord. And the Lord speaks to me again. Tell her if she doesn't remain humble and she doesn't honor me, that the job opportunity that I've given her will be removed from her. And I went to her and I said, Jane Smith, I said, the Lord spoke to me for you. And I said, and at this point, we're kind of friends, right? She says, what is it? I said, the Lord told me that you're to be remain humble and give him glory for this job. And I said, otherwise, it'll be removed, the opportunity. She says, well, at the position, I've already bid for it. I'm in. There's three positions, and they've already closed it. They're giving me the job. She says, I don't care what you say. She says, you're not accurate on the word of the Lord every time. And I looked at her and I said, Jane, please don't do this to yourself. If you don't remain humble, the position will be taken or the mouth of the Lord has not spoken through me. She remained prideful, rejected the word of the Lord again. What happened? They removed the position through attrition. So instead of there being three positions, they condensed it to two for those two women that already had the job there to do three positions. And then she was stuck in prison with me. And so we're coming out one day. Now she's really angry with me because she thinks I took her job when she didn't obey the voice of the Lord. And so we're coming out and she goes to shut the door to the chapel, these metal doors, and uh, it's snowing out. And she slips and slams her fingers in the door. And literally, I have to pull the door 
off her fingers. And you can see where they've turned like white because of the discoloration. And she looks and her face is like just, it's so painful she can't cry. And so I looked at her and the Lord says, grab her fingers and release my healing. So I grab her fingers and I hold them. I say, be healed in the name of Jesus. And the power goes and she looks and she's like, all the pain left. And she said, but I know I'm going to lose my fingernails. You know, woman thing. Right? And I said, no, hear the word of the Lord. You will not lose your finger, fingernails. And she looked at me and she had like a two-week vacation and she was headed out. And I saw her two weeks later. And, uh, and so that was how that deal went back and forth. And she lost her position. Eventually she got moved somewhere else in the facility. But that's the prophetic anointing. And that was when I was like two years old. Then I got indicted from the past, like, you know, five years earlier. I was gone for, I think, 15 months. God brought this big revival in Miami. It's in my book that right now, Journey to Freedom, called, I think, uh, Miami, I forget what you call it, Rat Kingdom. Yeah, that's the name of it. There's so many rats down there. They were just, you know, my God, they were just telling on each other and had acting schools and everything else. It's the corruption was just amazing in Miami like off the charts and so uh they called it mcc miami and so the nickname was mcc more charges coming <laughs> or or they called it miami cheesecake because all the rats you know they're just telling on each other so you'd go in with a one kilo case you'd come out with a 500 kilo case because all these people would just say oh i knew him and you know they just build it they, they just lie they get rewarded for it but uh but that's another story anyway so as i came back and god had given me victory and, you know, a couple of hundred people have been born again, big revival, people coming up out of wheelchairs and healing miracles were taking place. And that's when I started moving into hearing the word of the Lord regarding writing legal cases. And that moved into like 11 prisoners getting reversals of some sort as God had anointed my ink pen uh, to win 11 cases, either on reversals, time reductions, immediate releases, or complete removal of all felony conviction completely. It was just amazing. And that same year, I lost my own case. <laughs> and mine had rife perjury in it. And so, very interesting. But God used it. If you'll walk with him, he'll redeem it all over a period of time. And so here they gave me this job working in the visiting room when I get back. And so here's, what do we call her, Jane Smith? So I'm coming down like the staff uh, stairwell. And as I'm coming down, here comes Jane Smith walking up. And, you know, this is an area I'm authorized to be in, but inmates don't go. But here I am authorized because I'm back, coming back from cleaning the visiting room, my 15-minute job. So I'm coming down, she looks up and she sees me and she turns white as a ghost. She's still scared to death of me. right? Because of the word of the Lord, because of the fear of the Lord, not because of me. I mean, there's killers in there. She's not afraid of them. But because of the anointing and the fear of the Lord, She's afraid. You know, they were afraid of uh, the apostles and the disciples. 120 were in an upper room, upper room hiding after Jesus' death. They're waiting on the Holy Spirit to come. And they're afraid that they're going to get murdered or martyred like, like Jesus had been murdered and said martyred. When they get filled with the Holy Ghost, they come out and the power of God's on them. And instead of them being afraid of the world, the world is now afraid of them. And when you have the love of God and you have the anointing of God on you, the world will fear you. You won't worry about 
you know, walking in and, oh, there's a witch there, this and that. Say, good, let's lead them to Christ, you know. Peter's shadow healed the sick and cast out devils. Paul's handkerchief and aprons healed the sick and cast out devils. We should walk in with that kratos authority in relationship with the Lord, those that are sent, not just went, and go into those situations. A friend of mine, he says, you know, that people say, you know, a new level, new devil. He says, I like to say when I walk with the Lord that no devil can walk on my level because I walk with the Lord. And that's where we really ought to be. So here's what happens. Back to 1 Kings 13. Just want to give some real life illustrations of how the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joint and marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. God's word is not just in word only, but in power, demonstration of the Spirit's power. You should have signs and wonders follow you wherever you go in life, even at the grocery store, or if you're in line to get a cup of coffee, it should be an opportunity to pray for the sick, to, to give a prophetic word, to share the love of God with people. Tonight, we're talking about some pretty extreme stuff, but the majority of our ministry, my wife and I, is releasing God's love to people because it's, it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. But there's an anointing coming on the prophets at this hour to confront wickedness that's been at the highest levels. And you're going to see power encounters like you've never seen before. And God's mercy is going to freeze up their mouths. He's going to wither their hands and other things are going to happen. And the minute they say, well, you entreat the Lord, your God, because they don't know our God. But those that do know their God will be strong and do exploits. Daniel chapter 10, verse 32, King James Version. Those that do wickedly against the covenant, he will corrupt with flatteries. But those that do know their God will be strong and do exploits. Daniel chapter 10, verse 32, King James Version. We need to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And as he is, so are we in this present world that we might have boldness in the day of judgment. 1 John 4, 17 and 18. But I want to get into this. So here's what happens. Um, Pray for me that my hand might be restored. So the man of God entreated the Lord, verse 6, and the king's hand was restored to him and became as before. That's the mercy of God when people say, have mercy on me. Mercy triumphs over judgment. But the man of God said to the king, if you were, okay. Then the king said to the man of God, come home with me and refresh yourself and I will give you a reward. But the man of God said to the king, verse 8, if you were to give me half your house, I would not go in with you, nor would I eat bread, nor drink water, in this place for so it was commanded me by the word of the lord saying you shall not eat bread nor drink water nor return by the same way you came so he went another way and did not return by the way he came to bethel first kings chapter 13 verse 10 verse 11 now an old prophet dwelt in bethel and his sons came and told him all the works that the man of god had done that day in bethel they also told their father the words which he had spoken to the king and their father said to them, which way did he go? For his sons had seen which way the man of God who went came from Judah. Then he said, this is called friendly fire in the body of Christ. Friendly fire. And it's happening regularly. You ready for this? Beware of friendly fire in the body of Christ. Then he said to his son, saddle me the donkey. And they saddled the donkey for him and he rode on it and went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak tree. And he said to him, are you the man of God who came from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he said to him, come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I cannot return with you, nor go in with you. Neither can I eat bread nor drink water with you in this place. For I have been told by the word of the Lord, a divine restraining order was placed on him as a prophet 
on specifically what he could do and specifically what he could not do. When you fly in the higher realms, you'll have authority to do things, but you'll also be limited in other things that you can do. Because if you violate those divine restraining orders that are placed on your life, like Samson had a divine restraining order on him from the Lord, you cannot cut your hair. You have a Nazarite vow all the days of your life. Jesus was a Nazarene, not a Nazarite. They called Jesus a wine-bibber and a glutton. He ate and drank. That might mess up some of your theology, but I'm just telling you what the scripture says. Yet he's not drunk. They said he was a wine-bibber and a glutton. So Jesus ate the Passover feast. He wasn't a vegetarian. The Passover is lamb. And if you go to the Passover, there's wine. Now it's watered down, but nevertheless, it's wine. So my point is this. A Nazarene is what Jesus was. A Nazarite is what Samson was. And most people will take a Nazarite vow for a short season. Like I'm on a Nazarite vow. I'm not going to eat grapes. I'm not going to drink wine. I'm not going to cut my hair for 40 days. At the end, you get a haircut. And some people are just on a two-year one with COVID. No, no, no. Okay, that was just the hair. I think they were drinking a lot of other stuff. Okay, so my point is this. The minute Samson violated the Nazarite vow, he lost his power and it cost him his eyes and eventually his life because he violated the divine restraining order that was on him. So if you have a divine restraining order on you, it may not apply to anybody else. And their restraining order that's on them from the Lord with their calling may not apply to you in any way. So don't get religious about it and take your divine restraining order and make a doctrine out of it and get a whole denomination out of this thing. Because that's what happens. And what's funny is people will take a personal prophetic word, make it a corporate prophetic word. And that's where people get messed up and you end up with these denominations. A denomination is a, a part of the total. Wouldn't you rather like to have the Holy Spirit without measure? Okay, so here's what goes on. So... You shall not eat. So he said to him, I too am a prophet. Friendly fire. 1 Kings 13, 18. He said, I am too a prophet. I too am a prophet as you are. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord saying, bring him back with you to your house that he may eat bread and drink water. Parentheses. He was lying to him. Can prophets that prophesy the true word of the Lord also lie? Yes, they can. Sometimes... There's hell to pay for it. So we went back with him and ate bread in the house and drank water. Now it happened as they sat at the table that the word of the Lord came to the prophet who brought him back, who'd lied to him. Verse 21, and he cried out to the man of God who came from Judah saying, thus says the Lord, because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord, the divine restraining order, and have not kept the commandment which the Lord God commanded you, but you came back, ate bread and drank water in the place of of which the Lord said to you, eat no bread and drink no water. Your corpse shall not come to the tomb of your fathers. Verse 23. So it was after he had eaten bread and after he had drank that he saddled his donkey for him. The prophet whom he had brought back saddles a donkey for him. It brought him back. He said, okay, here's what happened. So as it, okay, here. When he was gone, a lion met the prophet on the road and killed him. Friendly fire from the prophetic. Don't eat spiritual gunpowder in your, your prayer closet in the morning and go shoot your prophetic mouth off the rest of the day. Only speak the word of the Lord. And his cor when he was gone, a lion met him on the road and killed him, and his corpse was thrown in the road, and the donkey stood by it. The lion also stood by the corpse. 
And there the men passed by and saw the corpse thrown on the road and the lion standing by the corpse. Then they went and told it in the city where the old prophet dwelt. Now when the prophet who had brought him back the way heard it, he said, it is the man of God who was disobedient to the word of the Lord. Therefore, <laughs> okay, uh, met him and killed him. According to, okay, so here he said, it is the man of God who was disobedient to the word of the Lord. Therefore, the Lord has delivered him to the lion, which has torn him and killed him according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke to him. Verse 27, and he spoke to his son saying, saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled it and he went and found the corpse thrown in the road and the donkey and the lion standing by the corpse. God controls the animal kingdom. The lion couldn't touch him beyond. There was a restraining order on the, the lion. Once he'd been given permission to kill the prophet, he couldn't touch him anymore. He had to stand there at attention. That's how much power God has, how much control. And guess what? If we'll be led by the spirit of God, we're sons of God. And he'll always lead us in triumphal procession in Christ Jesus if we follow him. We must learn to hear the voice of God in this hour. It's never been more important than now. The lion had not eaten the corpse nor torn the donkey. The lion and the donkey are standing next to each other. That's supernatural. And he brought, and he took up the corpse of the man of God, laid it on the donkey and brought it back. And the old prophet came to the city to mourn and to bury him. You got him killed, but now you're mourning him. And he laid the corpse on his own tomb and they mourned over him saying, Alas, my brother. So it was after he had buried him that he spoke to his son saying, when, am I, when I am dead, then bury me in the tomb where the man of God is buried. Lay the bones inside of his bones for the saying which he cried out by the word of the Lord against the altar in Bethel and against all the shrines and the high places which are in the cities of Samaria were surely come to pass. After this event, Jeroboam, who had the withered hand and God showed him mercy, did not turn from his evil way. But again, he made priests, consecrated them, and he became one of the priests of the high places. He became a false prophet, worshiping Baal, offering sacrifice unto false gods. And this thing was the sin of the house of Jeroboam, so as to exterminate and destroy it from the face of the earth. We're talking about hearing the word of the Lord, the importance of hearing the voice of God. We're talking about my sheep hear my voice and another they will not follow. Some of the elders in Ezekiel 14, 1 through 5, we're going to look at another example. Now, some of the elders came to me and sat before me, and the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, these men have set up idols in their hearts and put before them that which causes them to stumble into iniquity. This is what God says. Should I let myself be inquired of at all by them? Ezekiel 14, 1 through 5. This is verse 4. Therefore speak to them and say unto them, Thus says the Lord God, Every one of those of the house of Israel who sets up his idols in his heart and puts them before him and causes them to stumble into iniquity and then comes to a prophet that I, the Lord, will answer him who comes according to the multitude of his idols. In other words, I'll speak to him to where he'll be deceived. This is crazy. This is wild, isn't it? You know why we're deceived? Number one reason why people are deceived. You ready for this? We want to be. The number one reason why a woman is deceived by a man and a man is deceived by a woman is they want to be. Number one reason why you get swindled in a business deal and you believe the lie is you want to believe the lie for the easy money and then you lose your money. 
For this cause, God will send them strong delusion that they might believe a lie and be damned. Why? Because they received not the love of the truth. In other words, the truth came, the truth came. I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want it. You get warned in dreams. Somebody comes to you. Be careful. Don't do that. No, no. Everything's going to be fine. It's all going to work out. I heard from God. God spoke to me. Really, he spoke to you. Did he speak to you in accordance with the multitude of your idols? Number one reason why people are deceived, biblically. They want to be deceived. If you look back over your life, the reason you believe the lie? Idols. When you go and you really want to hear the true word of the Lord, here's what you do. Lord Jesus, cleanse me of my idols. Hide me from presumptuous sins. I don't care what the answer is as long as it's truth, even if it completely blows my business deal, completely blows my event, completely blows this relationship, even if it completely causes me not to get this job or this position, even if I can never go into missions, even if I can never do this and that, even if I'm not to finish, whatever it is, I ask you to cleanse me of my idols now and remove iniquity far from me so that I can hear your voice. I, the Lord, will answer him who comes according to the multitude of his idols that I may seize the house of Israel by their heart because they are all estranged from me by their idols. You know why people have believed lies in our country in this last two years? Fear. Fear and comfort. Fear and comfort. If you do this, we'll give you this comfort. If you don't do this, you could lose your life. If you don't do this, you'll lose your job. If you don't do this, this will happen to you. But if you do this, we'll do this. And guess what? Every one of them was a lie. Every promise and every carrot they offered people across the world turned out not to be true. And the people that stood firm were rejected by their own family members. And they said, no, this is not true. This is a lie what they're saying. Oh, no. Trust the science. There is none. Look back. Two years. Now, I know I'm on some toes right now. But guess what? People that believe the lie, listen to this, people that believe the lie, they were deceived because their idols were fear or comfort or some other arrows payoff. I'm not going to go any farther on this because those that have ears to hear and hearts to receive heard and received and eyes to see. Those that didn't, aren't going to receive it anyway. See, I can explain it to you, but I can't understand it for you. I can explain it to you, but I can't understand it for you. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 9. The coming of the lawless one, lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. What? They, re they didn't receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, for what reason? Because they continued to spurn correction, spurn the truth, rejected the truth. They called you names for bringing them the truth. They blocked you on social media. They told you not to come to their house. They broke fellowship with you because you brought them the truth. And they rejected you and told lies about you. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they might believe the lie, that they will all be condemned. 
who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. That's an eternal judgment. Ouch. New Testament, under grace. Meek and lowly Jesus. I will cast her on a bed of suffering and kill her children with the plague, lest she repents. Jezebel, Revelation 2.20. Jesus took a cat of nine tails, a triple braided cord, whipped him in the temple, and went and cried for them. Paul, Elemis the sorcerer, wouldn't cease to pervert the ways of righteousness, was struck blind by the anointing of God. Ananias and Sapphira, New Testament, under grace. Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira were in the church, lied about their giving, said they gave the whole thing. You're not required to give the whole thing. Give whatever the Lord leads you. That's great. But don't say you gave everything and lie. And then when you're confronted by the Holy Spirit, act like you were more sacrificial than you were. And when confronted, Ananias continued to hold on to the lie. All he had to do was say, no, we kept some of it back. That's our thing. You know, we're good with that. Okay, that's fine. But instead, he, he, he doubled down on the lie. And then he was dropped dead by the power of God. And then his wife comes in and she was asked. And she doubled down on the lie and she dropped dead. New Testament, Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Read it. New Testament. It is what it is. I mean, this is not cake and ice cream message, okay? Like I said, you want to be liked? Sell ice cream. It's not my message. I love cake and ice cream. Just love it. You can't live on it. You'll become weak, anemic, diabetic. Eat healthy meals. Exercise your faith, and you shall live. Who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. See, there's always a payoff with a lie. Satan always promises you pleasure or some sort of financial gain or pleasure gain, or you won't be in pain. And if you do this, and that's why people are hooked by it. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. Second Thessalonians 2 9, reading on through verse 14. We're going to close out, but I just want to share this with you. Jonah literally, well, one more thing. I, I got to share it. I got to share this. Okay, you remember when Jeremiah was given the word of the Lord? Jeremiah was given the word of the Lord, and he was told to go speak to the children of of Israel. Now all the captains of the forces, Jeremiah 42, 1, Jothan the son of, it goes on and on, who said to Jeremiah the prophet, please let our petition be acceptable to you and pray for us to the Lord your God. When was the last time you told somebody to pray for you to their God? Pray for us to the Lord your God. That means they don't know him. Wow. You ask me to pray. Hey, let's pray to God. Can you pray to God? Can we pray to God together? Will you go petition God in my behalf? But you don't say the Lord your God. I've had people came up to me in prison like, hey, would you pray to the Lord your God? I'm like, sure. Pray to God to reveal himself and also answer their prayer. And they would end up getting saved in the process through signs and wonders. Um, Jeremiah, and they said to Jeremiah the prophet, please let our petition be acceptable to you and pray for us to the Lord your God. 
for all this remnant since we are left with only a few. And then it goes on to verse 6. Whether it is pleasing or displeasing, we will obey the voice of the Lord our God to whom we send to you. We send, we will obey the voice of the Lord. Now they're saying we're going to take him as our God. Regardless of what he says, we're switching gods. That it may be well with us when we obey the voice of the Lord your God. And it happened after 10 days that the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Do you know sometimes prophets don't get an instant word? Sometimes you've got to wait 10 days to hear from God. Do you know waiting is the second hardest thing to do? You know what's the hardest thing to do? Living with the consequences of not waiting on the Lord. That's the hardest thing to do is living with the consequences of not waiting. Got awful quiet in this church. Okay. And it happened after 10 days of the word of the Lord. So here it goes on. When they come to him, when he comes back with the word of the Lord, and he tells them what it is. They don't like the word. You want to know what they said? We're not doing that. Listen carefully. If you're not willing to get on your face before God, ask him to cleanse your idols out of your heart. And we have many idols that we don't even know about. If you don't believe me, ask him to reveal them to you. And he'll show you what your idols are. It could be your clothing closet. He might say, you might have to give all your clothing away and become a minimalist because it's an idol that's standing before you. Or after you do it and that thing's broken over your life, you might have people come and give you clothes because now they're added unto you because they're no longer an idol. They're something that's added. I'm not telling you to give away your clothes or anything like that. It just came up. Look, throw a rock and a pack of dogs. The one that yelps is the one that got hit. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Out. Amen or out. Okay. Listen, let me share something with you. God spoke to me one time. He wanted me to give up something. I'm like, well, you know, it's not even a big deal. You know, others are able to do that. He said, others may, you may not. There was a divine restraining order on me in that area because I was called to something different. And guess what? Ten years later, it was not a deal anymore. Isn't that interesting? So it might be for a season or it might be for life. But don't take what God put a restraint on you between you and him and make it a corporate word for everybody else. Then it becomes religious and legalistic and binding. And they don't become more righteous by obeying it. They become more religious. Is that helpful at all? Yes. Okay. So here's what Jeremiah says. For you, you were hypocrites in your hearts when you sent me to the Lord your God, saying, pray for us to the Lord our God, and according to all that the Lord your God says, so declare to us and we will do it. Jeremiah 42, 11. People's hearts are revealed when the true prophetic comes back. I remember I had an ex-girlfriend from before I was born again, and uh, she was getting married, and she's marrying this doctor, and she came to me, and he wasn't born again, and she had been born again. She came to me, she said, will you do the wedding? And I said, well, I, you know, I really, uh, I just, you know, I have a disconnect. I said, if you'll read this book, and I said, but right now you guys are going to be unequally yoked together. I said, because... He's not a believer. You've been born again. And I said, give him these books to read, and this will help him in the journey. And if he gets born again, I'll, I'll be glad to marry you too. You know, and she says, I don't think he's going to read these books. And I said, well, I said, I'm really required because you came to me to tell you the Bible says don't be unequally yoked together with a non-believer. 
she said these words to me. She says, I'm going to marry him anyway. And I looked at her and I said, okay. There's nothing I could say. I attended the wedding. It was a great wedding. My God, they had these chocolates there. They were absolutely from Dean and DeLuca. They were marvelous, like $88 pound chocolates. Anyway, they, they, was a, they, they, they spared no expense at this wedding, catered and everything like that. And really, you know, just, just really appreciate her. Anyway, the marriage lasted two years. He was a doctor and I guess was playing doctor outside the house. And so, you know, she was broken and she never really fully recovered from it. But she did tell me, she says, I remember what you said. But I was there to help encourage her and restore her. Because we have to love people through their mistakes, just like we want somebody to love us through our mistakes. So we have to lovingly confront people with the truth. Or when that prophet's anointing is on us, forcefully and boldly confront for them. And when their hand withers up or their mouth shuts, we can ask the Lord to reopen it as a power encounter. And usually, sadly, even after the power encounters, because of the state of the human heart not being changed fully toward God, they aren't going to walk in their divine restraining order. What was Jane Smith's divine restraining order? Stay humble and give God glory for this. But she couldn't restrain herself from remaining humble. Lucifer, son of the morning, fell out of heaven with a third of the angels because of pride. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And whatever that divine restraining order is, God has given you. Whether it's a Samson deal, where it's a Nazarite vow, keep it and you'll prosper. And then you'll have authority to put divine restraining orders on the enemy keep them back from your children. There's an interesting scripture in 2 Corinthians. It says, it says that we've been given weapons of warfare. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. Not in my notes, just sharing. Most of the stuff's not in my notes, for God's sakes. You know, it's the way my gift operates. Um, but 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 says this. Casting down vain imaginations and every high and pretentious thing that exalts us against it, the, the knowledge of God. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And that we're able to avenge all disobedience once our obedience is fulfilled. This is the reason we lack power and authority in the body of Christ. Our obedience has not yet been fulfilled. We haven't passed the test. We've gone from dunamis power, we're going through the energia, enduring power, passing the test, and then boom, we come out with Kratos authority, dominion power, to then bind princes at his will and teach his senators wisdom. Joseph was in the prison house, Psalms 107, verse like 17 through 22. And the word of the Lord tried Joseph. Do you know God's word will try you, test you, refine you? chisel you up, knock some things off. But then when the word of the Lord tried you, it says this, that the, his soul entered the iron, the shackles. His soul entered the shackles. That's how much he went through it. But then after the word of the Lord had tried Joseph in the Old Testament, 
where he was locked up for a false rape charge from Potiphar's wife. And he was there from 17 to 30, 13 year bit in slavery. That's a long bit. I did a 20 piece. That was a long bit. And I had to deal with Potiphar's wife on three occasions in prison in different forms. And guess what? When you don't compromise, there's hell to pay on earth. When you do compromise, there's hell to pay in eternity if you're not careful. Take the road less traveled with the Lord. It will always pay and he'll make your crooked path straight. But here's what happened with Joseph. Eventually, the word of the Lord was spoken unto the king and he called for Joseph and he brought him out of prison and he made him second in command over all of Egypt because of his gift of interpreting dreams and visions. And then it says that he was able to bind his princes, Pharaoh's princes at his will and teach his senators wisdom. From the prison house to the palace as prime minister. He started in the pasture, he went to the pit, he went to Potiphar's house. He didn't compromise, he ended up in the prison house. But then after 13 years of trials, God promoted him to the palace as prime minister under Pharaoh. Pharaoh. It pays to play the long game with God. It pays to learn how to hear his voice. And tonight, as we close, we're going to pray that God cleanses us from any obstacle in us that has hindered us from hearing the voice of God. Because it's very important in this season that you hear his voice because it could be life or death in this season. Amen? Amen. God's merciful. You've made mistakes. He's merciful. He showed mercy on me. While we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. We love him because he first loved us. It is the goodness of God, Romans 2.4, that leadeth men and women to repentance. Let's pray. Lord, we, we see from your word tonight that we could be tricked by friendly fire from other prophets who, after things go bad, will even cry out and want to be buried with us because they know they've made a mistake. They're starved for fellowship. Lord, we ask that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see in the spirit, that you would open up the sevenfold spirit of God to us from Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2 and 3. The spirit of wisdom and the spirit of power, the spirit of might, the spirit of the fear of the Lord and a quick understanding of the Lord and the spirit of the Lord, that, that sevenfold spirit of God would now manifest that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, we repent of every idol that you reveal to us, whatever that may be. Lord, we repent of it. We turn from it. We give it to you, Lord. If you give us something back, great. If not, we don't want it. We don't want anything to keep us earthly bound that could also pull us hellbound. And Lord, we repent for having, in days gone by, received the truth. You said, buy the truth and sell it not. We repent for having sold the truth for a lie at different times in our lives. And now we buy the truth with your shed blood right now. We buy it by faith. And we ask that the spirit of truth would come in and reveal all idols, cleanse us from all idols, one at a time, Lord. We know that 
Without you, we can't even see the error of our way. We think all the ways of man seem right in his own eyes, but the end thereof are the, are the, the ways of death, it says in Proverbs. But we want your ways. We want the way of the Lord that we might have victory and we might be pleasing in your sight. We might be your sons and daughters. Cleanse us from secret faults. Hide us and deliver us from presumptuous sins. Help us not to be like Ananias and Sapphira. Act like we're doing better in the area of giving than we actually are. Help us in the area of pride when you promote us, that we give you glory for it and we don't take credit for it. Help us in the area of holiness. Help us by your Spirit. Cleanse us now that we might be vessels of honor, fit for the Master's use, and prepared unto every good work. And now, I ask that you, Lord, for those that are hungry for you, that you would send cleansing fire right now by your Holy Spirit. I declare fire to come in and cleanse. Fire, even as Isaiah said, that, that, that who will I send? Isaiah said, send me, Lord. And then the seraphim took the coal off the altar in Isaiah 6 the coal of fire and put it into Isaiah's mouth. He took the coal and he put it in the mouth of Isaiah. I declare the angel of the Lord to come and take the coal of fire from off the altar of the Lord and to put it in your mouth and bring cleansing fire that you might be raised up and used in a mighty way by him to speak the word of the Lord, whether it's a word of love or encouragement or correction or rebuke or a word that declares a thing that is irreversible for a person without repentance. And we thank you, Father God, for now bringing your grace into this situation and your love. And I thank you for an outpouring of dreams tonight, even as you gave me that warning dream that I didn't obey, that you revealed yourself as you appeared in the prison cell to me in 1990 in front of two other prisoners. I was marvelously saved. Pray that you would release whatever measure of grace, whatever manifestation is needed, whatever visitation, that others might know you in the power of your resurrection, even this day. And we call it done. In Jesus' mighty name. Well, we love you with the love of the Lord. I'm David. This is my lovely wife, Joanna. It's Queen's Wave virtualchurchmedia.com feel free to uh, you know help send us fuel us up send us out my wife and I are headed out to California uh, to uh, a Christian convention and we're going to be meeting with some other ministers out there and it's a uh, pretty big deal so keep us in your prayers and please feel free to sow into virtualchurchmedia.com and partner with us and if you want to do Bibles to prisoners. You can help change lives. One Bible at a time through Heart of America Prison Ministries. $30 buys and sends a first quality study Bible with all the lights, bells, and whistles that retail for 50 to 80 and it gets it into the hands of a prisoner like I was and then God used that Bible to help change me, transform me into what I am today by His grace and the Word. So I thank God somebody sent me a Bible and cared enough 
And now 10,000 more have gone in because somebody cared. They're going to get a great reward in heaven. 10,000 fold return. And then we ain't done yet. So God bless your heart through the ministry.org and virtualchurchmedia.com. Feel free to invite somebody if you're on our Facebook page of Quantum Kingdom Life. Invite a friend or invite an enemy. They'll leave your friend before all is said and done. One final thing. I declare healing, health, and wholeness over you. If you don't know Jesus, just say these words. Jesus, I believe you died on the tree, on the cross at Calvary 2,000 years ago for me. I believe you were buried in the tomb, but the power of God raised you from the dead. And on the third day, you were raised back to life. And you sit at the right hand of the Father, interceding in prayer for me. Write my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. I receive your cleansing, forgiving presence, power, and shed blood. Fill me with your spirit. Give me a new heart. Take out my old heart of stone. Give me a heart of flesh. Fill me with your spirit. Move me to follow your decrees and to keep your commands from the inside out. And I forgive everybody who's wronged me, even as you've forgiven me for wronging you. So we release them of the sin debt as you release me of mine. And I thank you that I'm heaven bound. You prayed that prayer, write to info at virtualchurchmedia.com, info at virtualchurchmedia.com, and we'll get out some electronic materials to help you grow in the faith. And one final thing. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Hopedeferredvideo.com. You can get a free download of this book and a video, and God is setting people free when they read Hope Deferred. Hope deferred no more. God bless. HopeDeferredVideo.com. David and Joanna, we'll see you guys next time. God bless.